Well, happy Father's Day. Um, today is my first Father's Day, and um, I have a five-month-old named Liam, and Liam is awesome, and he makes me happy and smile, and I am so excited to be his dad. So all the dads here today, we want to salute you, and we thank you, and sometimes being a dad is a very thankless job, and we just want to say thank you so much for being just great dads. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to start it. Father, thank you for this day. We thank you for an opportunity to learn about you and talk about you. We ask you to be with us as we focus on your life. In your son's name we pray, amen. So, growing up, I love the athlete that could talk trash as well as back it up. Now, as a young man, especially from the young, young age of, you know, like two, when my uncle sat me in front of a TV and said, that is Hulk Hogan, um, he has been one of my all-time favorite athletes. And yes, he's an athlete, even though it's fake. But he had this big, you know, line. He would go around saying, what's you gonna do, brother? And, and he would get all excited. But the big thing he would do is he would hulk up. Now, for those of you who have never watched pro wrestling, I'm going to demonstrate what hulking up is. Now, the bad guy would get him down. He was gonna lose. And he would just go, no, no, no. Give him the big bootleg drop win, W. And I loved watching him do what he did. And he was, he's, believe it or not, at 65, is still doing it. Uh, probably shouldn't be. But uh, he just really amplified that trash-talking spirit that was pro wrestling. Now, the other person I loved growing up, when, especially in high school, was Albert Bell. Now, besides what you may think of Albert outside of the realm of baseball... He was a great power hitter for the Cleveland Indians. And Shane Luck and I went to a game a couple weeks ago, and I got a little bobblehead here, and he, he's depicting what he, when he hit a home run in the playoffs and pointed to his bicep, which, come on, that's awesome. And he just amplified what an athlete that could talk trash and back it up would, it was in the, in the 90s. And, and for us who grew up in Cleveland, there wasn't anything better than that. But believe it or not, Jesus had a moment of calling your shot when he was in his ministry. And this moment happens closer to his death, and it happens in a, in a part of his life where he loses a very close friend by the name of Lazarus. Now, Lazarus is, a, is basically close as, as a brother to Jesus, and he goes through this whole story where he goes through a very dark moment by losing his friend, and throughout this story, there's, there's a great, powerful, uh, compassionate moment where Jesus cries, and, and it all leads to his awesome words that are, or he says, I am the resurrection. It's, it's him calling his shot. And then he rises Lazarus from the dead. And it's a great story, and we're going to go through this journey today. So let me tell you about Lazarus. So Lazarus is, is known in the Bible as the man that Jesus loved, and which means that he was very close to Jesus. He was close friends with him. He was also close friends with his family, Martha and Mary, which is Lazarus' sister. Mary is the Mary that was sitting at Jesus' side to hear his teaching and poured perfume on his feet, and it was a big deal. And so what happens is Lazarus gets sick, and Mary sends word to Jesus that Lazarus is now sick. And we're going to start here, and it's in John chapter 11, starting at verse 4. And the Bible says this, When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. 
No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea. So two things happen here. One, Lazarus is sick, and Jesus calls his first shot of the story. He says, listen, the sickness will not end in death. Now, for the disciples of the time, they're probably like, well, I'm, he probably didn't really get that he was calling a shot there, but he was. The second thing to keep in mind is he waited two more days. Now, I don't know how you guys are when it comes to someone in your family or someone you know getting sick or, or getting sick. You Normally, I like to call somebody, whether it be they're a family member or that person, or try to visit them, and I don't wait for two days. But Jesus does this, and he does it for a purpose. He is allowing a moment of sadness and darkness to kind of come into this story. And, and by waiting for his friend as he's sick. And this, this darkness, this sad time is going to lead to something amazing and very powerful. So let's continue on with the story. The, the disciples tell him, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you. And yet you're going to go back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they will see by the world's light. It is when a, purpose, when a person walks at night when they stumble, for there is no light. So what Jesus tells the disciples who are in a fearful moment is, listen, you're going to go through some dark times sometimes. You're going to go through dark moments and throughout the, I mean, our, our world is created for 12 hours of light and 12 hours of darkness. But he was using it as, a, as basically a, a metaphor to say, listen, when you go through your dark times, when you go through struggles, when you go through heartache, when you go through pain, frustration, you may stumble. But by, the, by God's light, you will not. And so Jesus, being who he is, uses this moment to try to teach his disciples a big, important lesson that we are going to go through some darkness. And God's okay with that. And, and so maybe some of you probably think, wow, you know, God's okay that I have a bad day or God's okay that I get frustrated. Yeah, he, we're going to do this. This is what human nature happens. And what Jesus is saying is, so listen, you're going to go through this, and you may even stumble. But it, it's okay because his light will shine. As we continue on with the story, after he said this, he went to tell the disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps... He's going to get better. Jesus had been speaking about death. And his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he just said plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. I'm not sure if you've ever had the misfortune of having to tell someone someone's passed away. Um, it's not fun. You, you try to find words that are going to soften the blow or, or make things better, and there's just not words there. And even Jesus here, who's trying to say, listen, he's fallen asleep, you know, had to come out and say, he's dead. 
and so now this, this story has gotten darker. This, this moment has gotten sadder because not only has Jesus missed you know, his close friend's sickness, he's now missed his death. And you can see it in, in his wording, this, how plainly he says, hey, he's dead. But once again, he calls his shot. He says, listen, I'm happy I wasn't there. So that you may believe in me. And, and what he's saying is, well, he's going to do something so profound and so great. It's going, to, it's going to be amazing. But he has to go through this dark moment to get there. As we continue on our journey, Jesus takes his disciples through the town and gets to the village where Lazarus is at. And by then, it's been four days. So not only has Jesus now missed the death of his friend, he's now missed the funeral. Now, I, I know when I go to funerals with people I know and love, I take those t- that time to mourn them and say goodbye one last time. And now Jesus has missed everything. Jesus has missed the death. He's missed the, the funeral. He's now going to a situation where people have been mourning and are sad. And he meets Martha outside the village. And this is the conversation they have. Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God hears you and will answer anything you ask. Have you ever been piled on before? Have you ever felt that moment like, I can't get much lower than someone decides to add to it? Well, Martha basically comes to Jesus and says, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And I, I can feel Jesus' heartbreak in this moment because I can't imagine how bad he felt. Even though he knew he was about to do something so profound and powerful. And to answer this, he goes off and he calls a shot again when he says, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, I know, he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Martha didn't get it, and that's fine. Because Jesus was saying something that was going to happen, and, and that's very powerful. And he goes on to say something else. We're going to read something that he says that is his tagline. Now, every great athlete or great performer usually has some kind of tagline. Let's put the first picture up of him. That's, that is Muhammad Ali, also known as Cassius Clay. And Muhammad Ali uh, is one of the greatest boxers of all time. Now, understand this. Before this picture was taken, he decided that he was going to talk trash. Now, before Muhammad Ali, it was a gentleman's sport. You don't talk trash about someone else. You just go and fight and it's over. No. He said he's the greatest. He's a bad man. And Sonny Liston, who his back is on the canvas, was the world champion, and he was not supposed to beat him. And this is one of the most iconic pictures in boxing history. Because he talked the trash before he did something great. The next picture is Babe Ruth. Now, there's some controversy if this actually happens. I believe it did. He is pointing to the bleachers. And then he hits a home run to where he was pointing. He literally calls his shot before he does something amazing. And then my favorite and yours, Rick Flair. Now, now, Ric Flair, once again, pro wrestler, 
um, was, is the biggest trash talker in probably all of entertainment. Uh, he, you know, he's styling and profiling. Uh, he was the 16-time world champion, uh, which has never been done in pro wrestling history. And his big tagline is to be the man. Woo! You got to beat the man. And, and that's what he would say, and he would go off, and he would do great things in a wrestling mat. He, you know, do the figure four, they tap out, he wins a championship. And, but these, all these men have this in common. They say a profound statement or do a profound act before they do the incredible act to follow. And what Jesus is about to say here is his tagline. And it's this. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I am the resurrection and life. He comes out and says, listen, if you believe in me, your spirit will never die. But there's more to it than that. What he's promising is, is listen, if you believe in me, I'm going to be beside you when you go through things. You know, when, when we believe in Jesus, there's not a promise that we're never going to have a bad day or we're never going to have sadness in our life. But the great thing about our God and the great thing about Jesus' you know, claim here is that he will be beside you as you go through this journey. And he'll be, he'll, he'll be able to love you and comfort you and guide you. And that's the great thing about God. We're going to lead on to what's going to happen next. So Jesus just said that he's the resurrection. And here's what happens after this. After she has said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. The teacher is here and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went. Now Jesus had not entered the village, but he was still the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, thinking that she was going to go to the tomb to mourn. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw him, fell to his feet, and said, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. So once again, he's, Jesus is being blamed for not being there. And Jesus saw her weeping. And the Jews who came with her were leaping as well. And he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. They said, come Lord and see. Jesus wept. In the moment, in the heart of this part of the story is God's compassion. We see God's compassion in a way that I don't think we've ever seen before if you read through the New Testament because Jesus wept. And, and it's two words, but it's more than two words because it means that our God, when we cry, is crying with us. When we're hurting, he is hurting for us. When we are at our, our end of our rope, his, he mourns beside us. This shows God's compassion in such a great way because Jesus cries. And he cries for his loss. He cries for his heartache. He cries for his friends who lost their brother. He cries because he himself has lost a friend. And it shows us that God is right beside us 
when we are crying, wiping away our tears, putting his arm around us. And it's such a profound statement. And to me, it amazes me because I know that when I cry, and I do, that he's with me. And, and I know those moments because I can, I can really feel him beside me when I'm going through those times. But then after this, this profound moment of great compassion and love, Jesus is challenged. The Jews that were with him said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the, the blind man's eye have kept this man from dying? Now, I know what I am when someone challenges me. I want to man up, you know, get big, big and tough and, and say, bring it. Jesus is about to do that. Jesus is about to put the, do the whole put up or shut up moment because he's been calling his shot throughout this whole story and it's time for him to unveil what he's about to do. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, which is a cave with a stone wrapped around it. Take away the stone. Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days. There's a bad odor. And Jesus tells Martha, did I not tell you if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So he took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, I thank you for you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here today, that you may believe you sent me. And he said, that, said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, hands and feet wrapped in linen, cloth over his face. And Jesus says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. In three words, Jesus hits the home run. He knocks out Sonny Liston. He wins the world title. He, he talks all this, this, these moments, and he talks about all the calling your shots and leads to this very moment of great power and compassion and love. This story starts with darkness and sadness and leads with light and awesomeness. But here's the bigger part of the story. This sets a chain reaction that leads to his own death and resurrection. Because until this moment, Jesus was just a great teacher. He did some miracles. He was very wise. He just raised a man from the dead. He is now a threat to everything the Pharisees and the religious leaders at the time had. And he's like, we need to kill this guy. And that is what they start to do. They start planning his death. And this great moment of power and triumph and, and greatness starts the chain reaction that leads to his death, resurrection, and ultimately our own forgiveness. This is an amazing story. But I'm not, I don't know about some of you. I don't know if you are in your dark moment right now. I don't know if you, maybe some of you are going through some really dark times. Maybe you have a family that's falling apart. And you're like, I don't know how to put this back together, or maybe you can't. Maybe you've been unemployed for a while, and you're trying to, you're trying to think, where am I going to get my next paycheck? How am I going to be able to make any, all these bills and make things meet? Maybe you've lost somebody. Maybe someone's real sick and, and is on the verge of, of death. 
and you are in the darkest place you can be. And you're asking, God, where is my resurrection in life? You're like, when is this darkness going to end? And, and you're heartbroken. And you're, so, you're, you're struggling. And you're like, I don't get this. But here's the thing about this story. When Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he makes us a promise. And the promise is, is that when we do go through these times, like I said, this shows that God's okay that we go through these, these dark times. But when we believe in Jesus, he is going to be with us through them. He's going to mend our hearts when it's broken. He's going to guide you through the times when you're trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And he's going to provide in ways that you may even not even see coming. He's going to give you hope for one more day. And ultimately, when our bodies fail us, and it's time for us to go, there is a place that Jesus has prepared for us. It's called heaven. And it is a place where there's no pain, no suffering, none of the stuff that we have to deal with in this world. In 1998, I heard my name being called out from the tomb. David, come out. And I remember it very clearly. And from that day on, I followed Jesus. And I have been through some of the greatest moments of my life, some of the most mountaintop, exciting, celebratory times and I have felt the presence of God celebrating with me. And I've been through moments where I didn't know if I could get out of bed. I've been through moments where I, I, I was so heartbroken and defeated. But my God is right there next to me. And he is crying with me. He is holding me up. And sometimes he carries my big rear end up and says, it's time to go. And I want to give everyone an opportunity, and I don't know where everyone's at, and, and I want to have a time of invitation. And maybe you've been waiting to hear your name being called out from the tomb. Maybe you've been waiting, and it's your time. And I want to invite, if, if you feel that's what you want to do, I'm going to be down here, and, and you can come over, we can talk, we can pray, and we can start this journey, because it's an amazing journey. And it's one of ups and downs. It's one of heartbreak and, and triumph. But in the end, the very end, it's a victory. Because he has won that for us. You know, Jesus says, I say these things so that you may believe you sent me. And I say these things that you believe that God has sent his son to die for you. And that heaven is yours to gain. So I'm going to pray. And if you'd like someone like meet me at the, at the stairs... Awesome. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your son. I thank you that he has been with me wherever I've gone. And he's wiped away my tears. And he's held me up. And I thank you for his forgiveness. God, I ask you to, to bless all these people in here. Give them strength and wisdom throughout their lives and let them believe in you so that you can be their resurrection of life.
It's your sons. Let me pray in that. Let's go ahead and stand.